at these events, most of the action really happens at the dinners or the drinks or the things around it. I would avoid a speaker straight before they're going to go on stage or if they're off stage and they happen to be in the bathroom at the urinal or somewhere, that's a really bad place to start <laughs> pitching yourself. And that actually happens and it fascinates me, but it's probably inappropriate. James Schramko here from superfastbusiness.com and you're listening to my friend Ash Roy on ProductiveInsights.com. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to www.productiveinsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. Episode number 100. Wow, what an awesome journey it's been. I want to thank you listening to this right now for being part of this journey. I've received a lot of feedback from you, the listeners, via iTunes reviews, telling me that you found the content to be very valuable and transformative. It is your great reviews on iTunes that has motivated me to reach this milestone. So thank you. There's also another individual who has been critical to this journey, and I'll be introducing him to you shortly. In fact, he's going to be co-hosting this episode with me. Now, over the last 99 episodes, we have had the honor of hosting some of the world's leading entrepreneurs on the show. You can check out all of those episodes and more. Just head over to ProductiveInsights.com forward slash podcasts. I would like to now share a little story with you about how we started. And as part of that story, I would like to introduce you to somebody who was really instrumental in this whole journey. I also wanted to make this episode about you, the listener. So in this episode, we are going to hear from some of you, and my guest and I are going to answer some of your questions and respond to some of your comments. The person I want to introduce with great pride and absolute pleasure is my friend James Schramko. James, welcome to this 100th episode. Ash, thank you for having me on this 100th episode. What a momentous occasion. (laughs) Thanks, man. Now, I just want to share a little bit of a story with our listeners about how it all happened and your role in this, James. So about a year and a half ago, I had recently joined James's Superfast Business Community. I found it to be extremely helpful. And I said to James, you know, I really want to start a podcast, but I was kind of being a little bit wishy-washy about the whole thing. And I had this interview with Neil Patel that was sitting on my hard drive for ages. James, being James, was very direct about the whole thing. And he said, I challenge you to just move fast and just get this podcast published. Now, I had all sorts of other kinds of input from various people. People were saying, you know, you need to have three episodes before you publish and all that sort of stuff. And James was like, just get it done. So I took up the challenge and 72 hours later, I had the Productive Insights podcast live on iTunes with one episode. It should have taken me about 24 hours, but I had some issues with plugins and that sort of stuff. Anyway, so here I was with the podcast published. My artwork was a bit sloppy and, you know, James really came to the party. He really put his money where his mouth was. He helped me with the artwork. He got a whole lot of stuff done. He had a thread within the forum, which I used to launch the podcast, stuff that would have taken me weeks, if not months, to figure out myself. I had another problem and the problem was I had one episode, but I didn't have anything else and I didn't know where to go from there. So I said to James, listen, I've got this episode now. It's published on iTunes, but where do I go from here? Within like about two minutes of me messaging him in the SFP forum, he replied and said, 
let's do an episode now. I'll be your next guest. And I'm like, dude, I haven't even got a set of questions to ask you. I haven't researched you. I've done nothing. And he said, you don't need a set of questions. I'll give you a framework. He gave me the framework, which I used on every single episode since then, all the way through to the hundredth episode. Now, I want to just thank you personally for that, James. Thanks a lot for being there. Well, thank you, Ash. And I'm just glad you did it because, you know, the world's a better place for your podcast and hopefully it's working out all right for you. Oh man, it's working out great. For someone who didn't know a thing about podcasting, I now have a podcast launch service, which enables my clients to have a podcast on iTunes with three episodes published. And then I've got the ongoing recurring element of it, which is the podcast production service, where we do the editing and publishing of the show notes and everything for them. And then I'm doing the public speaking as well, which has been a direct result of the podcast and also quite a bit of productivity consulting work. So things are going great. I think one of the biggest things that I have learned is the power of speed of implementation, just taking action and getting it done. Absolutely. I remember in the very beginning, there was a couple of things holding you back. So we just removed them and you roll forward. I, I often use the train metaphor on tracks. It's like if there's a tree on the track, what do you do? Do you stop the train and starve? Do you back the train back or do you just hop out with a chainsaw and just shred it up to pieces and cook it in the boiler, you know, and keep <laughs> moving? That's what we do. Yep. I'm there. I help people get unstuck and that's what you're doing now with your service, which is great. A very clever thing to do is anyone listening to this who's thinking about having a podcast and is not sure if they can do it or not, well, you could have Ash and his team take care of that for you and you don't have to worry about it either and you could be up and running in a matter of days? Absolutely. Assuming availability is good, we can have the podcast up and on iTunes within a matter of days with three episodes published. And I even give the client all the information they need to produce podcasts themselves, including the content forever. Plus, I show them how to edit the podcast themselves if they choose to do that on their own. Okay, so just going back to that story, I now had two podcast episodes with two great guests, yourself and Neil Patel. Now, my next challenge was to get other successful entrepreneurs as guests on my show. Well, as it turns out, in March of 2015, I was booked in to attend Superfast Business Live, which I did. And I approached every single speaker that spoke on stage at that event, and almost everyone agreed to be on the show. So now I had some really fantastic guests on my show. And I want to say thank you for that as well, James, because you really backed me up. You put in a good word for me. And I'm sure that went a long way in getting them to agree to be guests on my show. And now I had a successful show. And it was a lot easier for me to go on and get other well-known and successful entrepreneurs with great quality content to contribute to my show. So now I felt a lot more comfortable going to people like Rand Fishkin, the founder of Moz, or Joe Polizzi, the founder of the Content Marketing Institute, Bob Berg, the author of The Go-Giver, and so on. So I think this just really underscores the importance of having a good mentor. It just helps you to get to your goals so much faster than if you are trying to do it all by yourself. Well, I mean, the fact is you were at the event. You invested in a ticket. You went to the event. You placed yourself in close proximity to experts. And you took that opening. So, I mean, some people will sit back at home and listen to stuff and consume stuff and read stuff and buy stuff, but not actually get out there and circulate. And that's one thing that I've been adamant about the whole time I've been online is you must go to live events if you want to grow your market and expand your reach. And all of the people who speak at my events, 
I meet them at events, live, face-to-face, and build relationships to the extent where they'll kindly come and contribute great content at my own events. And I run the event for the community, and it's really fascinating to see who comes to the event. They're the people who are willing to take it up a notch, who want to go to the next stage. And a lot of my very best customers and my my absolute best customer, the customer who's spent the most with me, uh-huh. I met at an event and has regularly come to my events and just keeps developing himself. You can't stress the power of going to events enough. I think it's a fantastic connection tool. There's there's nothing that replaces meeting someone in person. That's where I met you, Ash. Yes, yes, <laughs> at an event. I remember that very well. <laughs> and I'll never forget it either. <laughs> let's talk about that for a moment so it was at greg kassar's event and you were just about to go on stage now i didn't know anything about public speaking and i'd never spoken on stage before so i didn't register that you should never approach someone when they're just about to go and speak on stage so there i was asking you a whole bunch of questions and essentially being a bit of a pain, not one of my finest moments, I have to say. Well, you know, as you said, I went to Greg's event. Greg Kassar is one of the nicest people you'd ever meet. And he asked me to come and share some ideas with his audience. And you were there. And before I even got there, actually, I knew about you via my mum, who yes. gave me a card or, or told me that you were there, very keen to meet me. And I was just about to get mic'd up to go on stage. And as you know, when, when you're ready to perform, you want to get into that focused state. And yeah, you had all sorts of questions and stuff. I've noticed this at events. Some people almost desperately urgent to make contact with experts. They can pace themselves. In these days, it's not hard to find someone on social media. I've been very patient with my networks. Some people I have tracked down over a number of years until I finally meet them face-to-face. And there's some I still haven't met face-to-face, but I'm aware of them. They're aware of me, and one day we'll probably meet. Just be patient is my point there, but do get out there. Start circulating. And The other thing, at these events, most of the action really happens at the dinners or the drinks or the things around it. I would avoid a speaker straight before they're going to go on stage or if they're off stage and they happen to be in the bathroom at the urinal or somewhere, that's a really bad place to start <laughs> pitching yourself. And that actually happens and it fascinates me, but it's probably inappropriate. <laughs> well, I'm very proud to say that I haven't approached anyone in the urinals or not that I can remember anyway. Okay, so James, what do you say now we listen to some of our listeners' questions and see what we can come up with? That sounds like a wonderful plan. Okay. The first question is from Jesse Lakes from Seattle, Washington. Hey, Ash. Jesse Lakes from Seattle, Washington, U.S. of A. Uh, coming to you from GeniusLink. That's G-E-N-I dot U-S. My question or useful tip that I'm looking for some help with is mastering product market fit. How can we expand to uh, to find more markets where, where people can leverage our, our service? So keep up the great work and thank you for the uh, the help and the insightful knowledge. Cool. Well, that's an interesting one, mastering product market fit. To me, the key here is to get a very good and intimate understanding of your market or your audience. Because your product solves a problem that your audience is facing. If you're selling air conditioners, then your product is a tool that solves the problem of discomfort in the heat that your audience is facing. If you're selling cars, your product is a tool that solves a problem of transportation from point A to point B that your audience is facing. And using this problem-solving approach when it comes to creating products enables you to create relevant products targeted to your specific audience and delivers 
a transformative result, which means they're going to get maximum value for money. How am I doing, James? No, you're doing so well there, Ash. Very clever to go first. Get all the good ideas off the drawing table. <laughs> I like what Jesse did there. He mentioned his URL in, hmm. the, in the audio. That's very clever. Right. So if you want to know um, how you can expand, survey your audience. I would recommend using the ask method, the Ryan Levesque method, which is called a deep dive survey, but it really addresses the challenges that people are having. And you can throw in a few bonus questions there. Like when I do my survey and I'm surveying for events or information products, I might say, what other products have you purchased? Hmm. Why do you like them? You know, which was the best product you've ever purchased? What made it good? So I'm finding out what else they buy. I would ask people to list you know, what else they buy. What you're really looking to do is find out the products that come before and the products that come after the product or service that you're selling. Huh. So sometimes you'll get people asking the support desk, hey, do you guys do blah, blah, blah? So we used to get this a lot with our service, website development service and our SEO service, which have since sold. But a lot of the time people would say, hey, do you guys do... You know, do you know who does pay-per-click advertising or can you point me in the direction of someone who does Facebook? Hmm. So we know these people are buying those things. We can also go to our competitors' websites or our own websites and we can have a look at some tools like SimilarWeb or Alexa.com and we can see the upstream and downstream sites with these tools. It shows us where do people go before the site, where do they go after the site and this will give us some big clues as to what sort of products you could expand to fit the market. And of course, if you're in a market and you're half an expert, you probably could list these off the top of your head onto a blank piece of paper right now in the next five minutes. Yeah, that's a very good point. So, you know, to illustrate your point, say someone who's looking to buy a home loan is probably also looking to buy furniture, for example. They are probably looking for other similar things at that stage in their life cycle. Yeah, that's right. And you, you can really heavily segment. So I used to help a customer who used to sell a product that helped with fuel economy for heavy fuel using vehicles. So I suggested they look at markets with tow bars, like horse floats, things that are heavy to tow, use a lot more fuel, boats, trailers, etc. The other thing that you can do is you could ask in a forum. I'm helping yeah. a guy at the moment to come up you know, with his first sort of offer that converts. And I got him to post a simple question like, what's your favorite tool and why? And people answer with all their favorite tools and why. Like, he's got half his sales copy right there. He knows which affiliate programs to go and join and the reasons why people like them. So he can put that into the sales copy on his site. Hmm. And so just by tapping into a, a community or a market and asking that simple question, you'll get a lot of answers pretty quickly. And the great thing is there's probably a forum or a Facebook group for any subject or topic out there already. So you could go and scrape some of the content from there and put it into a tool like Tag Crowd, I think it's called. Hmm. And I did I learned about this tool from um, Ryan Levesque, actually. And you paste in the content and it will show you a word cloud of you know, what the most popular or most common used words are, but there'll also be plenty of products in there if you're in a product-related site. And there's also consumer forums where people constantly compare products and accessories. Yeah, a good forum that I usually go to is one called whirlpool.net.au and it's pretty unbiased in its reviews. You also get some really good articulation of problems and really get to understand the audience's problem language on that site. And here's another tip, Ash. You can go yep. to Google and type your term in and then scroll to the bottom of the page yep. and it will tell you searches related to. Yes. This will often dig up other ideas that you could use. So if I type the word 
car trailer, then it starts talking about enclosed car trailer, um, oh, yes. car trailer plans, etc. So there's related products that you could you know you could sell trailer canopies, you could sell trailer tow hitches, number plate frames, plans, you know how to build a trailer. There's all these things that come before and after the product, tires, etc. Mm. And, you know, I think that one of the most important things about product market fit in my mind is empathizing very strongly with your target market, because when you are able to put yourself mentally in their shoes, you know, imagine the world they're living in, imagine what sort of challenges they're facing, you know, while driving to work, what does a typical day look like? And you try and mentally step through the various things they're facing in the day. It might uncover some pretty useful ideas around products that you can create beyond what you already have for that market. Yeah. Okay, now let's hear from Nick Gulick. Hey, Ash, it's Nick Gulick from YourSuccessCoach.com.au. Firstly, I wanted to say congratulations on hitting 100 episodes. It's been a real joy to be along this journey with you, and I'm hoping you hit 100 more. So my favorite episode would probably be episode 67 with Matt Kimberley. He talks a lot about presentations and sales, and I find Matt a real interesting guy anyway. So yeah, I found that episode full of value and probably the episode after it as well, episode 68 with Aaron Fletcher, who talks about the Fletcher method or the one-page funnel. He is also really interesting. The episode was real fun. I enjoyed it. I actually started following his stuff after that, Uh, but he basically brought in a whole lot of online uh, marketing stuff into one podcast episode, which was just super exciting. So, yeah, my friend, it's been a real joy, like I said, and I'm looking forward to your next 100 episodes. All the best, mate. Thanks very much, Nick. I really appreciate your kind words. And I actually learned a lot about public speaking from Matt Kimberley. I first heard Matt on James's podcast, and a lot of the guests I've had on my show are people who I've listened to on James's Superfast Business podcast. And I learned a lot about public speaking, and I got some awesome tips from Matt when I interviewed him, which I then applied to my talk at Superfast Business Live a couple of weeks later. So uh, thank you very much for the kind words. And Aaron Fletcher was great as well. James, you said Matthew Kimberley was one of the best speakers you've seen on your podcast. Well, I've seen Matthew speak a couple of times now, and he has a real background in that profession. I mean, he comes from a sales background, but he did a lot of work with Michael Port and mm. um, and trained heavily. He's got a uh, extremely polished routine, shall we say. So he's got good timing, good humor, and he clearly demonstrates the points. So he gets good ratings from the audience when uh, I survey them. And he's also a very dry and funny guy in terms of humor, really quite like Mr. Bean. And Aaron Fletcher, well, he's a really nice guy too and um, he was uh, super kind to connect me up to one of his friends, Robert in San Diego, who I visit every time I go there and we go surfing together. And uh, that connection came through Aaron and Aaron's also been instrumental in um, connecting me back through to some of my original mentors like Jay Abraham and uh, he's doing some good stuff over there in San Diego. Yeah, Aaron's been really great. He's been very encouraging. He sort of shows up on the Facebook Lives. He gives me a good rap. He's been sharing my content. So thank you, Aaron. Thank you for being on the show. And I look forward to having you back sometime soon because you really gave us some awesome value from that episode. Okay, now I'm going to play a question from Rain. 
Hi, this is Rain San Martin from Fort Wayne, Indiana, USA. My website is rainsandmartin.com. That's R-A-I-N-S-A-N-M-A-R-T-I-N.com. My favorite tip from the Productive Insights podcast comes from episode 81, how to establish a daily routine that turbocharges your productivity. In this episode, Ashroy explained that we should get enough sleep. This is going to give us energy and willpower to design a routine and stick with it for 30 days. At this point, we can experience the manifestation of its effects. Thank you. I've learned a lot about the importance of sleep. In fact, I recently heard an episode where you had Danny Flood on and he was talking about the benefits of eating pineapple. So I rushed out and bought a pineapple that day and I slept pretty well that night because I believe pineapple helps with the melatonin production. Is that right, James? Well, that's what Danny said and he's done lots of research. Uh, he's a fascinating guy, you know, just very enthusiastic and a lovely guy. He's done lots of research on this and you know, you're also ready to do a Sydney to Hobart race, Ash. It's the perfect food for um, ocean-going <laughs> racing because it tastes the same going in as it does going out. <laughs> okay, well, I think that sort of uh, went to number 10 on the gross meter. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, just on the topic of sleep, <laughs> yeah. back to, to point. Critical. Most adults haven't experienced a good night's sleep since they were a kid. And the real culprits here are electronic devices, which have proliferated, and electricity itself, mm. before electricity, we used to sleep during the day and at night. And then there's other things like alcohol, and caffeine, and energy drinks, and sugary sodas. You know, they're not things that help you sleep. So I'm a huge advocate for good sleep and I make it a priority to get good sleep. And I can tell if I'm losing my edge, if I'm a bit tired. I'll just give a few little pointers. Sure. One is do your most important work fairly early on in the day mm. and don't make any big decisions late at night. And if you've got some crappy domains that you purchased after midnight, you know what I'm talking about. The other thing is to have a, a cut time. I've got to actually set an alarm for 10 p.m., which is my reminder if I'm still awake that I really need to shut down whatever I'm doing. I just close it midway. It doesn't matter. And I start again the next morning, no matter where I'm up to, because whatever I'm doing at 10 o'clock at night is not going to be anywhere near as productive as doing it at 7 o'clock in the morning. I agree. Having an alarm to remind yourself to start winding down is a great idea. I used to always associate having an alarm with waking up, but it is a good idea to remind yourself to start winding down at a certain time. And I often get so caught up in my work that I forget to start winding down. So yeah, that definitely works well for me. So some useful, actionable tips to get more sleep are to get stuck into some pineapple during the day, try and minimize your caffeine consumption after three or four o'clock in the afternoon, do some high energy physical activity to tire your body out and get some exposure to the sun because that resets your circadian rhythms and tells your body when it's daytime so that it knows to start winding down towards the evening. Exactly. Okay, now let's hear from Nikki in Perth, Australia. I'm calling from Perth in Australia. Look up Strata, lookupstrata.com.au. I've come across your podcast recently, Ash, and I can't believe how much information you have in there. So I've been spending lots of time catching up and listening to, uh, to previous episodes. How do you record a podcast uh, via video from a distance? Are you best to use a tool like Skype? And how do you overcome the quality of the video when the feed comes in and slows down and buffers? Thank you. 
Okay, so uh, thank you very much for that question, Nikki. The way I do it is I just do it via Skype. I, I have quite a few video episodes that I've recorded, and I've done it via Skype, and I use Skype Call Recorder. Now, it's a good idea to have as high upload and download speeds as possible. So if your current internet service provider isn't providing it, then try looking for an alternative source in terms of ISPs. Avoiding the buffering issues is make sure that you have good quality upload speeds and download speeds. I have 1.5 megabits per second upload and about uh, 15 megabits download. ADSL 2 plus connection seems to work fine. If you're in a place where you have access to NBN, all the better. If you don't have good access to good download and upload speeds, then you can ask your guests to record the podcast episode at their end and you get them to send you a copy of their end of the recording and then you get your editor to synchronize the tracks so you get their side of the conversation without any buffering issues james what are your thoughts right there's a couple of things um you pointed to the obvious one the isp speed what most people don't realize is they quite often have different choices they might be able to switch to their telephone and tether for a call and get significantly better connections i'll give an example uh, where i am here I can get about 35 to 55 Mbps upload wow. with my phone, but my cable's only 1.5 up. So if I were to tether my phone, I could get a significantly better bandwidth. The other thing is, of course, you mentioned the local recording. So if you each record on your own device, there'll be no bandwidth buffering, and then you can synchronize them again later in post-production. Maybe you just do a voice one and you ask for a nice image and you overlay the vo vocals onto the image if it's just not practical to get video. The other thing is try and get your other user to have the best type of camera they can. Most people have two or three camera options. They might have a phone and Skype works on a phone. They might have a laptop. They might have a desktop monitor with a lens like my monitor, my Apple here. Uh, they might have an external camera like a Logitech C920, etc. So... In this example, I've actually got four different types of cameras that I could use right now for a video call, wow. all using Skype. And it's a matter of picking the one that has the best resolution. Hmm. And they're my tips. You know, I have to say, though, when you use a phone, make sure that you have it in landscape mode. Because I think a video recording in portrait mode leads to a less than ideal viewer experience. Yes, always go landscape if you can. If you're based in Australia, then I recommend checking out the internode ISP provider because they have this special Annex M power pack thing they add to your service, which actually apportions some of your download speed towards your upload speed on your profile. And that's a pretty useful thing to have. So that's Internode, spelled I-N-T-E-R-N-O-D-E, -E, and you can access them on internode.net. Yep. And uh, with mine, Telstra, there's actually an ultimate cable package that they weren't even going to tell me about. Oh. Normally, I'd just go for ADSL, but I get 116 Mbps download, which is wow. great. Sometimes I do a little happy dance because my <laughs> screen's loading so quickly because I actually came from a rural setting for about four years where I was getting about one and a half down and it was you know, Yikes. kind of frustrating <laughs> for, for someone who does most of their work online. <laughs> It must be. So how do you get this? How did you score this cable thing, man? A friend of mine, Mark, who's also a member of my forum, uh, hooked me up with uh, a contact there at Telstra. He really look, looked after me, made sure that I got the right thing. And here's the interesting thing. I couldn't get it on a business account. I had to just use the residential package. Right. And it's just sometimes there's quirks with the different providers that mean you can have a certain thing with one provider but not with another. 
Okay, cool. Okay, this is Tyrone from Sydney, Australia. Hey Ash, congrats on reaching your 100th episode and may there be many more to come. It's Tyrone from marketingvideoclub.com in Sydney, Australia. My question is, what strategy would you recommend to generate a recurring revenue from an internet business? Hey Tyrone, thanks for your question. I think there's a couple of good books on recurring income. One is called The Automatic Customer by John Warrillo and the other one is called The Membership Economy by Robbie Kelman Baxter. And James has had both of these people as guests on his podcast. So you might want to check out their conversations on the Superfast Business Podcast as well. The way I see recurring income is it's very much like building a shopping mall or a shopping center if you're in Australia. It's all about building a property. In this case, it's an online property, but it's still the same principle. And if you have a massive shopping mall with all these good quality shops selling good quality products, you can charge a lot of rent because the customers will be attracted to that area to do their shopping. So in the same way, you create an online property which serves a certain niche and people will gather around your online property to buy content. And so you can charge rent, in other words, membership fees for them to come there to your property to solve their problems. Now, if you have other people selling their wares, as it were, on your online property, that would be affiliate marketing, but you could have your own products on there and charge a monthly fee or an annual fee, and that would be a recurring membership model. There's other forms of recurring membership as well. So, for example, I have an ongoing monthly podcast production service where I do the editing and show note creation and all that sort of stuff for my clients, and that is a recurring fee in exchange for a service as opposed to online content on a website. But it's still a recurring model. Hope that helps. Okay, now let's hear from Amit in Philadelphia. Hi, Ash. This is Amit calling from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, I'm calling to wish you all the best for the 100th episode. I am a big fan of your podcast. And the name of my company is Pixie Bytes. It's headquartered and based here in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in the US. And the company develops uh, native iOS and Android applications and web services. The episode on your podcast that I really liked was the one about regulating sleep patterns and essentially being disciplined about getting to bed early and uh, making sure that you get at least seven to eight hours of sleep. Keep up the great work with the podcast and all the best. Thanks. Well, thanks for the kind words, Amit. I'm really glad you found that episode useful. I've actually found that episode to be quite popular, even in terms of downloads on my podcast. James, we seem to have quite a lot of interest in that sleep topic. Yes, I mean, and, and no doubt that probably brought it to your attention, uh, the common occurrence of that topic. In my case, it's just that I'm fed up with workaholics convincing people they need to work 16 or 18 hours a day. That's just nonsense. It's totally ineffective. It is a false economy and it is um, some kind of justification that these guys and girls use to somehow make you feel like you're missing out or that you're not good enough or that – I mean, I almost want to reverse their motto. While they're hustling and grinding, I'm sleeping <laughs> and I've got no issues with that. I've often wondered where all this started from, you know, and my guess is that a lot of this originated around – the industrial age, when you had people like Frederick Taylor, who did these time and motion studies, and he was completely obsessed with the quantity of output 
and brought everything down to the number of hours and minutes spent on an activity and what it translated to in the form of outputs. So I guess my point is that may have worked well back in those days on the factory floor, but nowadays the quality of our attention matters. So yeah, I think the amount of sleep we get and the quality of sleep we get is really important. To an extent, you can't sloth it out and just sleep all day. Uh, obviously, <laughs> that would be ineffective. I, I don't want people to mistake um, what we're talking about for just being lazy. Mm. I'm just talking, it's just simply recharging. Just think of it like you're a flat battery and you should recharge. And droning about on a flat battery is not going to get you anywhere. And I, I, where did it come from? I think it's just people probably not spending enough time with their family or whatever and then trying to justify it as if it's okay for some reason. But it's just not okay. Agreed. Now let's hear from Emmanuel. Hey Ash, it's Emmanuel from the Metamorphosis Project. I'm calling from Australia. My URL is www.metaproject.com.au and I love your podcast because it's given me a new opportunity to market to my clients one day. Thanks, mate. Good luck. Bye-bye. Oh, well, thank you very much, Emmanuel. I appreciate the kind words. I assume when you say market yours to your clients one day, I'm assuming you mean that you are planning to launch your own podcast soon and you plan to market your business to your clients via a podcast. So I personally think that's a great idea and I definitely think you should look at using a podcast to grow your authority and your inbound leads and the sooner the better. Okay, so I want to thank all of you for sending in your comments. James, is there anything else you would like to add before we finish up this episode? No, I just, on behalf of all the listeners who have listened to your 100 episodes, Ash, I think we should say thanks to you for producing these and to lead by example, you know, starting from nothing and creating something useful is testimony to the process and the fact that you have built a business around it that I think this, if I'm not mistaken, this is your very best year online so far. Is that right? It is. It is. So, you know, I'm just glad to watch that. I've got a close observation position and keep it up for the the next 900 episodes. Let's see when you get to the thousand episodes. Sounds good. And James, I just want to say thank you because you really have been very instrumental in this whole process. Uh, You've been very supportive and you've been a good friend. So I want to thank you for being part of this journey and I look forward to having you on many more episodes as a guest. Cool. Thanks, Ash. Thank you, James. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today? 